0: All right, good morning, everybody. All right. We are going to continue our study of Jesus in the Old Testament. And we're basically just skimming through the Old Testament, looking at these pictures of Jesus to see, as he, as he himself said, that it's all about him. And it all points to him and his finished work. And today we're going to pick up in the book of Judges, one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's just an awesome book. Um, but it says, I want to begin in, in the book of Acts, you'll go there with me, Acts chapter 10. a little background into judges and just the word judgment, it appears so many times in scripture, but uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 42, And this is kind of how we began this whole whole Jesus in in the Old Testament study, it says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of, of the quick and dead to give him him all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sin. So we see here already as we look at the book of Judges, uh, for pictures of Judges of Jesus, that Jesus is the judge. He's the judge, okay? It says, uh, was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead, okay? Um, at the end of uh, the book of Joshua and at the end of his life, you know, the people promised they would serve the Lord, Um he, he, he set up a covenant with them, and you don't get very far at all in the Judges, right? Go, go, actually, turn with me to Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. And skip down to verse 8, Judges 2 verse 8. It says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, Heres, in the mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And, all, and also all, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Okay, and this is the theme basically of Judges. Okay, um, people did what was right in their own eyes. That's what they did. Um, that's what makes it such an interesting book. It's, if you've never read through the book of Judges, boy, it's something else. Um, so God raised up Judges, and, and the, the unbelieving world looks at the word judge as a bad thing. You know, that's what we hear all the time. That's really the only verse that unbelievers know is judge not. That, that's what they know. Um, but the Bible uses the word judge or judgment over 700 times, um, and most of the time it's in a positive light. Um, as, we re- as we read in Acts, that Christ is the judge of the, of the quick and the dead. Um, here in Judges, the people forsook the Lord. They went after um, other gods. God got angry, and he, al- he allowed their enemies to, to, take, you know, to win, to take them over and defeat them. But it says in Judges 2.16 6, 2, there, um, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Um, So the judges were a good thing, you know. These judges delivered them from evil, but they still wouldn't listen. Um, Look at verse 17. It says, uh, And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised up judges, uh, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason, by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow, and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor their own stubborn way. Okay, so this is, again, this is the whole theme of judges and it's a constant cycle with the people. But all these judges in some way represent Jesus, Okay. Um, because he is the judge, as we read in Acts. And all, all these judges point to Jesus because he's the ultimate judge, unlike you know, many of the judges we have today that are corrupt. You know, they can be corrupted, they can be bought, and they have their own agenda. They have their own axe to grind. Um, uh, so let's look at a few, uh, just just get a little background of, of judges. Um, go to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, before we begin. And This, this theme of judgment, Matthew chapter 12. Because, again, the world is all about not, you know, they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be judged. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. It says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break. And a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Okay, again, you see judgment in a positive light. Um, Christ shows judgment to the Gentiles. Um, judgment refers to, to showing the right way, right? Um, the only way, which is through through Jesus Christ. Okay, now look at uh, go to John chapter five. Look at John chapter five. Look at verse 21. John 5, 21. It says, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Okay, again, you see Christ is the judge. God gave him all the judgment. Okay, um, John chapter 5, uh, skip down to verse 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment, also, because he is the Son of Man. Okay, again, you see Christ as the Judge. Let's get down to verse thirty. I can, of of my own self, do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Okay, now go to John chapter nine. John chapter nine. Look at verse thirty-nine. And then Jesus is speaking to the blind man he just healed here, and he said, "For judgment, I am coming to this world, and that they which see not might see, and that they which see that which see might be made blind." Okay, so he told he told you know, this blind man told the Pharisees that Jesus healed him, and they cast him out. They might get out of here, basically. Um, so back up to uh, verse thirty five. Uh, Jesus heard they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Okay, So that's, that's, you know, that's how simple salvation is, but, it, but it's not enough to a Pharisee. You know? um, the, verse 39, it says, For judgment I am coming to this world, uh, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Okay. Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. So, you know, Jesus said, For, for judgment I am coming into this world. So, again, Jesus is the judge. What is he judging? Well, he's not judging people for being sinners, okay? That's what you know. That's what Pharisees do. Um, that's what lordship folks do, um, the, the fruit inspectors. Uh, back up to verse 34. They said, they answered and said unto him, and they're speaking to the blind man, "Uh, thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out, okay? They said, you know, you're just a a filthy rotten sinner. Who are you to, you know, talk to us and tell us, you know, what to do? What do you know, right? And they said, get out of here. And and that's what we hear today from the religious crowd, you know. Um, but, But what did Jesus say to him? He said, do you believe in me? And he said, Lord, I believe. And he was saved. That simple. That simple. So what is Jesus judging, okay? He's judging that that he said he said that they that which see not might see you know if you're lost and you know you're lost you know you're a sinner you see not okay and you know it and you simply believe you're saved okay that's what he's judging then he said and they that which 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 see might not, might be made blind and this is the religious crowd who think they know the way right they think they know how they think they know the truth they think they're going to be saved because of what they do or what they don't do. Um, and unless they come to the end of themselves, you know, they're going to remain blind, like, like Jesus said there. Um, and that's how Jesus is judging, okay? Not whether you have sin in your life or not. We all do, right? Everybody does. The judgment is going to be who believes on him and who doesn't. That's how, that's how he's judging us, okay? Go to John 16, John chapter 16, just to show you this, where uh, Jesus talks about how when he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Comforter. And he tells exactly which sin that the Holy Spirit is going to reprove the world of. Look at John 16 and verse 8. It says, and when he is come, okay, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin, okay, and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, and here it is, this is the sin that's, that's going to keep you from being saved. Of sin because they believe not on me. Okay, that, that, this is what Jesus is judging between. Do you believe, Do you believe in me or do you not? Okay. Um, so as believers, we look at Jesus being the judge as a good thing, right? But why? Because we believe. We're, we're saved. Okay, God already pla- he, he already uh, placed our sins on Christ. He died for our sins, okay? They're taken care of. We've already placed our faith in him. We've been, we've been judged innocent, right, at the cross because of what he did. So over and over, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus is the judge. Um, so it's not hard to see that it's going to be easy to see him in the book of Judges, okay, throughout the book of Judges. We're going to see Him, um, especially when you see how Judges are described. Um, go, go back to the book of Judges, chapter 3, the first judge, Judges 3. Look at verse, uh, verse 9. It says, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Opnel, son, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Okay. So he's called a deliverer here. That's what a, that's what a judge is, a deliverer. Uh, verse thirty-one. Uh, skip down to verse 31. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox code, he also delivered Israel. Okay. Over and over, these judges are referred to as deliverers. That's one of the things they're called, how they're described. And the, 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 they're pictures of the ultimate deliverer, who is Jesus Christ. He delivered us from our sin. You know, we we don't we don't have a problem with Jesus as our judge as a believer, because He delivered us from our sin, from the penalty of sin. Okay, and you know the world hate again. The world hates the word judge because they know what's waiting for them. Okay, um, you know, and it, it all it when you see the word judge, it all depends on your perspective. It all you know it depends on your attitude, and they and they they bristle at the word judge. You know, because you know they look at a judge and somebody says. You know, you're taking away all my fun. You know, if you're if you're a parent, you know your kids are like that. You know, they oh, you're just you know you're judging me. You're you're just trying to keep me from having fun. No, we're we're trying to deliver you. We're trying to help you. You know, get down the road and and, and live a peaceful life. That's what we're trying to do. But you know, they don't understand that. The unbelieving world doesn't understand that either. Um, but they don't have a deliver. They don't have a savior. And that's another word that's used for the judges, not in the book of Judges, but if you go forward, go to the book of Nehemiah, real quick. We'll come back and keep your place in Judges. Um. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 9. And, and Nehemiah looks back at this time of the judges here. Um, Nehemiah 9, let's see, verse 25. Verse 25. We'll read down to verse 27. It says, And they took strong cities and a, and a fat land and, and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, Vineyards and olive yards and fruit trees in abundance, and so did so they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in the, in the great goodness, Thy great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against Thee and cast the, Thy law behind their backs and slew Thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to Thee, and they wrought great provocations. Therefore, Thou deliverest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them, and in the time of their trouble, when they cried unto Thee, uh, they. Thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them, and there's the word, saviors, okay, who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. Okay. So already judges points to the judge, Jesus Christ. Um, it calls them the, the deliver it calls them deliverers, okay, which is Jesus Christ. He's our deliverer, right? And then and then finally, um, saviors, okay. Um, and 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 in uh Speaking of deliverers, though I forgot this quote, Uh, Paul quotes Isaiah fifty-nine in Romans chapter eleven. He said, "So all Israel shall shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob." So over and over again, you see these these words used of judges that point to Jesus Christ. Okay, Um, and finally, like I said, we read this verse here. The judges were referred to as saviors, okay, who would save them from their enemies, okay. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 11 says, For unto you uh, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Um, all pointing to Jesus Christ in the book of Judges. Um, the judge, the, sa- the deliverer, the Savior. Um, these are all different aspects of Jesus, okay? All rolled up in the same person. And again, we don't, you know, we don't think of a judge so often sometimes being a deliverer and a Savior. You know, the world definitely doesn't doesn't think of a judge that way. And uh, go, to, go to Second Corinthians chapter 2 real quick with me. And this kind of shows the attitude that the world has of, of Jesus as, as judge. And also as us, because we, we when we preach Jesus, that's, this is the attitude they have towards us. Second Corinthians chapter 2. In chapter two, look at verse uh, fifteen. <laughs> it says, "For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and in them that are saved and in them that perish, to the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life." Okay. So, see, this is how the world sees us when we talk about Christ. You know, to save people, is, he says, "a sweet savor." Okay. You know, he saved me. He delivered me from my sin. You know. Um, from the dominion of sin and the penalty of sin. Uh, but to the people who are unsaved, to those who perish, they see you as death. Okay, They don't want to hear about it. Um, because when you speak about Christ, you know, you know, we read about how he's going to judge the quick and the dead. He's going to be their judge, and on some level they know it, you know, if they're not saved. Um, and they don't like it. You know, they don't want to be reminded of the fact that they're going to die someday, and, and, and they know what they've done. They know they're a sinner. And it's, it, even though it's you know, simple to be saved, you know, if they haven't been saved, they know what's coming. They know what's coming, and um, they don't like it. Then, so they see the judge. They see a judge as a bad thing, and he's and you know that he's taking something away from them, taking their fun away from them. Okay, um, but we know different, and and all they see is that God is trying to ruin their fun. They don't know that their their fun is literally killing them. You know, the wages of sin is death. Um, but when you preach Christ, they smell death. That's what it, that's what Paul says here. They get, they get mad at the good news, um, and they see him as judge. But that's just a little bit of background for judges uh, and the word judge. But we're going to, today we're really going to just focus on Samson as judge, okay? And and we're going to begin in Judges uh, chapter 13. Go back there with me. Judges chapter 13. Because this is really the judge that we have the most written about in the book of Judges. And Samson was from the tribe of Dan. Um, and it's interesting that Dan actually means judge. If you, if you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 49, when it's talking about uh, each of the sons and each of the tribes, it says that Dan shall judge his people. Okay? And this probably pointed to Samson because Samson was the 13th and the final judge um, who, you know, who, who, who pointed to Jesus. I, I, believe it, you know, when that, I believe that prophecy probably pointed to Samson in some way. But in Judges uh, 13 there, Let's begin reading in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 5. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and barest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, so the first parallel that we see with with Jesus, okay, um, is that both Samson and Jesus had their birth announced by angels. Okay, um, and they and they and they also had a miraculous birth, right? Jesus was born of a virgin. And, but Samson was born of a, a woman who was barren. So already we're seeing some really strong parallels between Jesus and Samson. Uh, the next one is uh, that they they both lived at a time when Israel was occupied by their enemy. Okay, we read that in verse 1. It said, The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So they were occupied by their enemy. Okay? Um, in Jesus' day, of course, who were they under? They were under Rome. Right? Okay? Another parallel starting out. Um, so the story goes on. Samson was to be a Nazarite, as we just read. Not a Nazarene. That's not the same thing. Um, a Nazarite separated themselves, and they had to follow this strict set of rules. Um, you can read about that in Numbers chapter six. Um, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't shave their hair. They um, they couldn't have any, any have anything to do with grapes. You know, the vinegar they couldn't drink. You know, uh, vinegar made from grapes. You know, raisins. Anything. Nothing to do with grapes. Okay. Um, and of course, this was a temporary, this was a temporary vow um, to be a Nazarite in the Bible. But with Samson, it was a unique situation because he was to be a Nazarite from the time he was born to the time he died. Okay, and that's in verse seven. You can read that. From the wo- it says, from the womb to the day of his death. Um, and you know, some people think that this may, you know, the fact, the thing about the grapes, um, some people believe that, um, you know, that tree in the midst of the garden back in Genesis was a grape. Tree. Okay, the Bible, the Bible calls grapes a vine tree. Some people say, "Well, grapes aren't trees." Well, the Bible calls grape a vine tree. Okay, and some people think that that might have been the what the, the forbidden fruit that Adam and Eve ate. Okay, because under a Nazarite vow, you weren't allowed to touch it. And that, that's just that's just a theory. That you know, but that's just it's interesting. But you know, maybe maybe not. But it's, I'll throw that in there for free. Okay. Um, so Samson grows up, uh, Judges fourteen, um, and he, he goes down to to Timnath. Uh, Look at verse verse 1 there, uh, Judges 14, we'll read down to verse 4. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman of Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up and told his father and his mother, and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all thy people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me and For she pleaseth me well. But his father and mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Okay, so, um, God is allowing you know Samson to to do this for his will. Um, he says it was of the Lord that he did this. Okay, um, you know, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that God wanted him to do that, you know, because you know. You know, we do things, and God can still use us, you know, as, as believers. You know, we do things that we shouldn't do. Um, but he allowed this for his will, even though it, it was wrong. He, he shouldn't, he's not Israelites are not supposed to marry heathens, right? Um, but my point is that God can use a sinful believer, okay, and he does daily, right? Um, but the main point here, what you see here, and this should start, you should start having some pictures in your head here, is that he's taken a Gentile bride, right? He's taken a, a, a Gentile bride, um, his parents said in in verse 3, he said, is there never a woman among the daughters of of thy brethren? In other words, among the Jews, you know, can you not find a woman among among the Jews, a bride among the Jews? Um, So they're kind of jealous that he picked a Philistine woman instead of a Jewish woman, right? Um, And and Samson said, I want her, you know, I, I want that Gentile woman. Well, go to Acts chapter 28. We'll come back here in just a minute. Acts chapter 28. And look at verse 27. Acts 28 verse 27. It says, For the heart of this people is wax gross, and and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and it should be converted and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. Okay? Now, um, go to Rome, uh, Romans. Romans chapter 11. To your right. Romans chapter 11. Speaking of Gentiles, of heathens. Romans 11, verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall, speaking of the Jews, God forbid, but rather that through their fall salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy, okay? So here, you know, you have a picture of, of Christ and his Gentile bride, okay? Um, you also see this in the book of Ruth, okay? So both Samson and Jesus took a Gentile bride, right? Okay, that's interesting. Um the next uh, parallel we see with, with Jesus and Samson is they both kill a lion, a roaring lion, okay? Go to, to uh, go there in Judges again. Look at verse 5, Judges 14, verse 5. It says, Then went, then went Samson down, and his father and mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or mother what he had done. Okay, and you know, speaking of lions, we know that that you know the devil. First Peter, uh, chapter five, verse eight says that the devil walks about as a roaring lion. Right, um, Colossians chapter two. Go to Colossians chapter two. Colossians 2 and verse 14. It says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Okay? So he he defeated a roaring lion. That's what Jesus did, okay, on the cross. And get this: how did Samson kill the lion? Okay. Well, verse 6 said that he had nothing in his hand, right? Well, guess what Christ had in his hand? Nothing. When he defeated Christ when he defeated the devil, he had he had nothing in his hand because he was nailed to a cross, right? Interesting. Okay. Then go back to Judges 14 verse 8. Judges 14 verse 8. It says, "And after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, and he took thereof in his hands and went on eating." And came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told he told not them uh, that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Okay, now this was a de- a direct violation of his Nazarite vow. Okay, which he did often. <laughs> Samson was crazy, but to touch anything dead, you know, much less eat something out of a dead carcass, you know, that would that was not right. Um, and 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 note this is after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so not only is Samson a picture of Jesus, but you'll realize as you read about Samson that, that he's also a picture of a carnal Christian, very much so. Um, something you know, false teachers will deny today that there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. Well, there is, um, but but they say if you're you know they'll say if you're really a believer you'll you'll act like one, right? Well, Samson was remarkably filled with the Spirit, right? Um, have you ever been so Spirit filled that you ripped a line in half? I mean, he was filled with the Spirit, okay, and uh, but this proves that being filled or simply having the Holy Spirit, which we all have the moment you believe, does not automatically make you a god godly person. Okay, it gives you the ability, it gives you the resource to 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 be godlier, and but you can be filled, you know, you possess the Holy Spirit and still be very immature. Okay, Samson is a prime example of that and we're just getting started because he does some crazy things. I mean, the things he does is just insane. Um, but the next one um, going along with this is that they, they both shared the sweetness of the lion's death, both Jesus and Samson. Um, Samson took the honey from the carcass of the lion and he shared it with his mother and father, right? He took it home and he shared it to him, with them. And this is a spiritual picture of the finished work of the cross. Um, Jesus conquered death and hell he destroyed that roaring lion, the devil. And to this day, his gospel is being shared throughout the world. Okay, um, And, it, and, it, you know, it, and God, the gospel is pictured um, actually by honey in the Old Testament. Well, I don't have time to go to all the places, but First Samuel 14 and verse 27, you know, King Saul's son, Jonathan, um, uh, he, he, they were sort of on a campaign, and you'll read about that in, in, in 1 Samuel 14. And he, he ate some honey, he found some honey, and it said he was enlightened. Okay, so the, 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 that's a picture of, of salvation uh, in the Old Testament. Also, Proverbs 24 and verse 13, if you want to write down that, that reference. But um, then he goes, uh, then Samson goes to the Philistines. He gives them this riddle um, in verse 14, um, chapter 14. It says, he, he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth sweet, came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness, and they could not in three days. Expound the riddle. Okay, so for three days, get this now, for three days they could not understand this riddle with Samson. Okay. Um, how many days did it take the disciples, Jesus' disciples, to figure out what was going on with Christ after he died? Three days, right? He was, he was three days in the tomb, and then they, they, they figured it out. You know, he, told, he was walking on the road to Emmaus, and he told those disciples. He told them you know, all about the things that the Old Testament said about him, um, so that's, that's another interesting little, uh, tidbit there. So they, they, they get his wife to, to tell him, tell them the answer because they couldn't figure out the riddle. And he gets mad and he kills 30, 30 Philistines to pay his debt. He gets, he kills them, takes their clothes. Um, he disappears for a while. Okay. This is another interesting thing. Um, in there, in, uh, chapter 14 there, look at verse, uh, 19. It says his, his, uh, his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. Think about that, okay? Think about Jesus. His, ang- his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house, okay? And then in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 1, it says it came to pass within a while after, you know, after the time of the wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife. So he, he came back. He went up to his father's house and he came back, okay? I'm just throwing that in there. Um, but he disappears a while he, he, he gets back to his wife, his bride, and her father has given her to another man, okay? And Samson is ticked. Man, he is mad. Um, so he catches 300 foxes, sets them on fire, you know, not an animal lover. <laughs> Samson was crazy. Um, and they burn up, just burn burn up half the world, you know? Um, this is why I love, love the book of Judges. It's just crazy. Um, but he basically set, he sets the whole, their whole world on fire. He's causing trouble for the Philistines. Um, and, you know, remember that Israel is being occupied by the Philistines at this time. Okay. And Samson is causing all this trouble. Uh, well, in Jesus' day, right, Israel was being occupied by the Romans, and he start, he's stirring up all kind of trouble, right? Now, he's not setting physical fires. He's not setting fires like Samson was. But he set the spiritual world on fire, right? He's causing trouble with the Pharisees and the religious leaders by claiming to be God and claiming to be, to be king, okay? So the religious leaders got mad, and what did they do? They turned him over to Pilate, to the Romans, okay? His own people turned him over. You see in the picture here? Okay, well, look at Judges 15. After Samson causes all this trouble, look at verse 9. It says, then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? And they, they answered, uh, to bind Samson, are we come up to do to him as he had done to us? Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of Rock Edom and said to Samson, knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this, this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. So this is his own people saying this to him now. You know, he, he's their savior. He's, he's delivering them from the Philistines, from their enemy, okay? And they turn on him. You know, what are, what are you doing to us? You know, well, that's exactly what the Pharisees did to Jesus. He came to save them, right? Um, and deliver them. And what did he get in return? You know, they said, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar, right? Look at verse 11. It says, Know us not that the Philistines are rulers over us, okay? That's, that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Um, then in verse 11, uh, he said, as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Well, see, that's vengeance, right? And, you know, you might say, well, that's not right. It's not right. We're not supposed to have vengeance on, on people. You know, um, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay, okay? And again, Samson is not an example of in the Bible for, of someone for us to copy at all, right? um, as far as his walk is concerned he was he was a carnal very carnal believer okay but what he says there it pertains to the end times is what he's talking about okay and what jesus is going to do when he returns that that's that's how you have to understand this um but there's an interesting picture here in judges 14 uh, i'm sorry i've I've already talked about that but um but when, when you realize what he says there about this revenge you know about doing to them what they did to him. Now, that story about the fire and, and when he set all these, these foxes on fire and he turned them loose, now it starts to make sense because that's what Jesus is coming back for when he comes, when, when he on his return. Um, back at the Judges chapter 15, look at verse 6. Um, <clears throat> it says, Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son the in law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. Okay? So they, 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 they burned her. You know, they, they, they abused his bride. Right? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen to the saints during the tribulation. Right? Um, go to Revelation chapter 13 with me. Revelation 13, and verse 6. Speaking of the beast here, it says, And he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle to them that dwell in heaven, and it was given unto him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given over him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Okay. And this is going to be a terrible time for the for the bride of Christ during the tribulation. Okay? But look what happened in Revelation nineteen. Skip over to Revelation nineteen. Verse fifteen. It says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword speaking of Jesus, uh, that, that with it he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he, he treadeth the winepress of the fiercen- fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So I believe all the crazy things that Samson does during his life, okay, to, to the, during the time of the Philistines, is a picture of Jesus' wrath uh, when he returns, okay, at, at the end of the tribulation, okay? That's what I believe. Um, so go back to Judges chapter 15. Look at verse 12. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, "Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast. And deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Okay, so again, his own people came, uh, came to him and, 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 and they said, you know, we're going we're to turn you in, basically. And that's exactly what Israel did to Jesus. Right, they didn't. They didn't kill him themselves. Just like it says here, they delivered him up to their enemy, to Rome, to be crucified. Can't be a coincidence. I mean, it, it, you just constantly seeing Jesus throughout throughout the life of Samson. So then they bring him back to the Philistines. Um, verse fourteen, um, it says And when he, we came into Lehi, the spirit, the Philistines shouted against him, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. The cords that were upon his arms became as flax. That was burnt with fire, and his bands loose from off his hands. Okay, so they're like, "Man, we, you know, we got him now." When they brought him bound, and and they're like, "We got him now." They shouted against him, and this is where you start to see some pictures of the cross. Um, And the best description we have of Jesus on the cross in the Old Testament is Psalm chapter twenty-two. Go to Psalm twenty-two real quick. I know we're running out of time, but I want to finish this up. Psalm chapter twenty-two. So, Samson is bound. Um, it says the Philistines shout against him. They think they have him right where they want him. You know, he's, he's easy pickings. Um, Psalm 22, uh, verse 7. This is all they that, that see, see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Okay. You, you, this this is probably the same attitude that the Philistines had when they saw Samson bound like that. They're just laughing at him that we got him now, okay? Verse 11. Uh, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, there, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. Um, they gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion, okay? And I think that's pretty much described the same way the Philistines were probably looking at Samson when they had him there. Like, we got him now. You know, he's surrounded by his enemies, but remember, he has the Holy Spirit, right? Um, uh, verse nineteen, it says, uh, "Be, be, but be not far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns." Okay, and the Lord does chooses a strange way to deliver him from his enemy. Okay, uh, go go back to Judges real quick. Judges fifteen, and look at verse fifteen. It says he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. So he defeated his, his enemy with the jawbone of a donkey. Okay? Uh, why the jawbone of a donkey? And I got one. It's not it's not a donkey, okay? With this right here. Okay, this is a cow. My my, my neighbors, my neighbors have cows. Um, and, and my neighbor's dog just drugged this up in my yard a couple of weeks ago, so I bleached it, and I didn't even know what I was going to do with it, but I just happened to be teaching about Samson, so he had something like this, okay, maybe a little bit smaller, this, this is probably a small couch, it's probably about the same size, makes a pretty good club, uh, but he, he had something like this, and, uh, again, why the job one of a donkey, and I believe because it's, it's a foolish thing, it, it's a foolish thing to use as a weapon, um, it's something you would never think of to fight with, you know. Um, it would be an embarrassing thing to die from. You know, imagine if you died and, you know, somebody said, hey, how'd you get killed? I got, say, some guy hit me with a jawbone of a donkey. And that'd be kind of embarrassing. It's not the way you'd, you'd want to die. It's not an honorable death, I wouldn't think. Um, but, you know, the world had a hero. You know, he would come up with a weapon. He'd probably have a big sword or something like that, shield and all that. And he would save the world with some kind of fancy weapon. You know, kind of like the fancy weapons we got today, you know, all the technological stuff. But Samson, shoot. you know, he's got the most foolish weapon that you could imagine, the jawbone of a donkey to defeat his enemy. Um, well, God chose the most foolish weapon to the world to defeat the enemy. Okay, go to First Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. Okay? So I believe that the battle that Samson fought and won uh, was a picture of the cross. Um, it's a picture of the foolishness of the gospel. Okay? Who would think that you could, you could kill a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey? Okay? And of course, he had the Lord was with him. Okay, he didn't do it on his own. Um, who would think that you could defeat the devil in sin and death by just believing the gospel. It's it's foolishness. It it is to the world. Uh, Verse 21 says, um, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God, get this, it pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them that what? Believe. Just believe. Okay? Um, Again, you know, salvation is so simple. And it's just, it seems like foolishness. It just seems like absolute foolishness. And, that, and that's why you have so much false teaching because people can't believe it. Like you can't just believe, you can't just believe the gospel and, and be saved. But it's that simple. And it said it pleased God to make it that way. Just like it pleased God to, to, for Samson to take a job on a donkey and kill a thousand men with it. It's, it's foolishness, but it's, it's true. Okay, so we're out of time. But again, Samson and all the judges, it's an amazing picture of Jesus in the book of Judges. Jesus said in the volume of the book, it is written to me, and, you know, we see that through everything we look at about Samson's life. And we didn't even finish today. I'll probably pick up here next week. Um, but it's all about Jesus and what he did. Salvation is all about Jesus and what he did. Um, it's foolish to the world, especially to the religious crowd, but not to us. Okay. Any questions, comments? Okay. Well, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you for your clear word and how clear it is. And, and we thank you for this study, Lord. Thank you. that. Um, You've shown us throughout Scripture, as, as Jesus said, that it, 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 it's in the volume of the book it is written of me, and we see that all throughout the Old Testament, Lord. We don't want to unhitch from the Old Testament, Lord. We want to learn more about it. and As we read the Old Testament, we want, want to constantly be looking for pictures of Him because that's what it's all about. That's what your salvation is all about, Lord. does there's anybody listening to this today, realize you're a sinner. Uh, you have a sin debt that you can't pay. Realize that Christ uh, died for your sin, was buried, and rose on the third day and uh, simply putting your faith in his finished work. That's that's salvation. If you'll do that just as you are, you'll be saved, Lord. Thank you so much for that. Pray for uh, Pastor Barry. Pray for all the teachers today, and and just pray that you'll bless our time together. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. all Thank you. Thank you.